When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and SJ Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. Really quickly, before we get into this episode, I wanted to mention my Patreon. Patrons get all of the podcasts a week early. I do giveaways. I do some other stuff. But most importantly, if you want me to review your music or artwork or anything else, Patreon is the way to do that. Every month, I do a call for submissions. All you need to do if you want me to review something is just post it in the comments of that post. Then I will review it live on Twitch for the hundreds of people that tune into every stream and post it on Patreon for everyone to check out. All you need to do is just join at the $10 and up level. Stay tuned for that post and you are good to go. So if that sounds cool to you and you want me to review your music, artwork, or anything else, hit the link in the show notes for this episode. And thank you very much to everyone who supports over on Patreon. What's up, everybody? Today's episode is a repost of a podcast that I was very, very excited to be on, Hoya from Madball's podcast called The Smoking Word. If you know anything about hardcore, you know that Madball are just absolute legends. In my opinion, really kind of like the most definitive hardcore band of at least my life. You know, they really laid the template for what hardcore is. Uh, and so I was extremely honored to be on the show. Uh, and if you like this interview, he's got tons more with people like Jamie Josta, Mike Judge, Isaac, just really, you know, if you're a New York hardcore enthusiast at all, you definitely want to check this show out. There's a link to that in the show notes of this episode, and I would definitely suggest that you do that if you care about hardcore at all. And with that out of the way, let's get into this episode. What's up? What's up, everybody? You know the drill. Smoking Word Podcast always brought to you by CasaTheRock.com. Support the show. Go to Patreon.com slash The Smoking Word. You can support there, too. Um, the Hard Corner drops every Wednesday on Patreon, then on YouTube the following week. Shout out to everybody supporting the movement. This week, my favorite YouTuber in the game from our world. Let's hear it. From my boy, Finn McKenty, the Punk Rock NBA podcast. Let's set this shit off. Welcome, welcome, welcome. to the Smoking Wedge. Welcome, 
Boom. There we are. Yeah, who, we got. Who was the girl who does the smoking word intro? She Listen, sounds hot. Right? She, it's a friend from Australia. She had a good voice. I said, I had an idea. I said, it had a little Jamaican feel, but I said, let's kind of give it a Salvador Dali thing and let's give it an Australian accent. I like the it. Jamaican beat. But uh, what's up, bro? I'm glad I got you on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. You know, I've been a Madball fan for 30 years, so I'm excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. And also, it was good. I caught you when you were when you did um Ezek's podcast. Oh, yeah. So I was like, all right, he's he's in the fucking in the meat grinder. We could fucking we could sink our teeth in. You know how it there goes. There we go. If Kev <laughs> one ever starts a podcast, that'll be the next one. Uh so you are a bulldoze guy. I love bulldoze. Yeah, they 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 definitely that that's a hardcore band. That is starting to get lost in the sauce. I'm bringing that shit back. That word, lost in the sauce, back. Yeah. But um, they're starting to get forgotten about about being the fathers of a style, and also sure. of, you know, now it's common to be the extra beatdown style of moshing and all that. They had a lot to do with that. More than more than a little <laughs> bit. Yeah. I mean, that's the like the whole idea of like beatdown. I mean, that's that's bulldoze. You know. I, I'll tell you a funny story about fucking bulldoze. You just it just popped in my head because it, it 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 just I don't know you just reminded me well, anyway so we're on the on the warp tour and fucking um we're doing the Hazen Street shit and on that tour it's you know it's all those type of bands you know yeah. and um we're standing there and some girls come up to us and they ask um <laughs> I had a DMS hat on and they said oh, what's this DMS stuff I see it all over the place and I saw I'm like, the good Charlotte video yeah exactly that's exactly what they were saying I'm like uh you know and I'm kind of like and then the guy next to me he goes everybody knows what that means it means Doc Martin stop and I turn around I go what do you know about that and he goes fat Kevin he used to fucking abuse me and all my boys long story <laughs> short he was the singer for Coheed and Cambria. Shout out to Cla oh, wow. Claudio. <laughs> wow. Small world. He was an upstate kid on North Jersey, which is close to upstate New York. And, you know. Wow. Back, I would back have Kevin. never guessed that, but there you go. <laughs> and what bugged me out was, I obviously I knew um he was the singer for Coheed or whatever, but it caught me off guard. Like, because he even said it like, like everybody knows that. And, right, right. Well, he knew. Probably from the receiving end, though, maybe one of his friends, <laughs> maybe not from the best way. He's got a but... bulldoze beatdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, let me ask you something that I'm curious. Your fucking name. What yeah. is it? Uh, Like, well, my, my Finnegan, my first name. Yeah. So that's all right. So that's your full fir first name, Finnegan. Yeah. Yeah. Irish. Uh, well, I guess. I mean, my father's <laughs> from Norway and my mom is American. So okay. I don't know where that came from. Well, actually, I do. It's named after a book by this guy named James Joyce. It's this book called Finnegan's Wake, All which right. is this weird book from the 70s because my mom was weird. So she <laughs> named me after it. Like it has no punctuation. It's absolutely unreadable. No, because no, because it sounds, you know what it sounds like? It sounds perfect for what you do because it sounds like, yo, um, who's that reporter? That's Finn McKinty from the it, Daily it, Planet. Yeah. That's how right. I hear it. I hear it like this just yeah. sounds editorial. It, like, it does sound editorial. And um, also your family. So, but you are born um um where was south uh north pacific west right yep yeah seattle area seattle right that's where you were from the burbs of seattle right yep yep and, and how the fuck well seattle has a lot of punk rock roots yeah and, and yeah we had the accused and the melvins and stuff back then but i discovered uh your kind of version of hardcore 
which you know back then uh like nobody outside the tri-state area really knew or cared like early yeah, 90s true. nobody knew or cared about new york hardcore back yeah. then uh i found it um from uh in effect which they had at tower records mm. that was sort of like my yeah like and, and maximum rock and roll but you know they hated all that stuff oh too. they hated yeah. us <laughs> you know so <laughs> Uh, but yeah, full, uh, in fact, really was like, uh, so shout out to Kevin. I still talk to him on Facebook sometimes. Oh yeah. Um, the best in effect was fucking awesome. They had it at tower records. So shout out to whoever was like the zine buyer back then. And that's how I found out about, you know, Scarhead and all that stuff, you know, like early, early nineties, the very, very beginning, you know, back when Toby was still in the band and everything. Like, yeah. And, and it's crazy early. because even um the Seattle area, it's even, it has his own weird energy, even if, and it's hardcore and it's punk rock and it's metal. Like you yep. named the Melvins. Melvins have all of that and yep. they're not like normal of any of those. Or the accused, same thing. Yeah. What What is it about what's in the water up there? Well, it's like you know, salmon shit. <laughs> yeah. These days, you know, you think of Seattle and you think about like Amazon and Microsoft. Everyone's here is fucking rich. It's like San Francisco now um, in the good ways and the bad ways. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, back then it was very isolated, like late 80s, early 90s. There was nothing going on here. It was very isolated. It was mostly like logging and fishing and stuff. There was nothing going on here, you know, until Nirvana blew up. And even then, like, there's still like there wasn't a lot going on like you remember back in the 90s a lot of bands wouldn't even play yeah. uh seattle because the routing just sucked the closest city was portland which isn't which is even smaller than seattle yeah. so it's like you know most of them would go to northern california and then just stop so i think it's the same thing as like a lot of places that end up having kind of a, a unique scene is you kind of just got to do your own thing because there's nothing else going on for yeah. better or worse so you kind of you know, you can discover scenes from other parts of the country, um, but you're like observing it from like a distance. You're not part of it. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? yeah, yeah. Which I know. is good you got, and bad. You have to look for it. Yeah, you, I know how that goes. Because right. even coming from New York, there was a point where, you know, you still got to hunt for it because record stores weren't fucking right. with it. Right. You know, two or three record stores that would have it. And if they didn't have it, you hope that. A lot of tape trading back then when I was a kid. Right. Yeah, I never too. personally did it, but I remember it was big, you know, tape trading and in the back of the mag the heavy metal magazines, you had all the addresses which you were yep. into, and you would just randomly send people shit. They send that's what tape. I would do with Maximum Rock and Roll. You know, I would read, you know, in the back they had the classified ads, yeah, and uh, the reviews and stuff. And I would read every fucking word of all of those. Yes. And I would go order demos and shit like that. Um, and uh, that's how I discovered a lot of shit. Yeah, for sure. That's and, and what was um you coming up? What was the local club? We only because we played Seattle a handful of times, and I want to say one of them was uh Corazon. Was it that? Uh, it's like called that? El Corazon now. It used yeah. to be called the Off Ramp, like yeah. back in the late eighties, early nineties. Uh, and then I think they changed the name of it another time, but I don't remember. It's El Corazon now. But that's uh, that was like the spot. Yeah, Rock Candy, you probably also played it. Oh, some point. yeah. Oh, no, of course we play Rock Candy. Yeah, well, I played yeah. that on the that crazy Haybree. Well, on that part, I don't know if Haybree was on it, but Scarhead, uh, Madball, Earth Crisis. I remember that one around yeah. 98 or so. God, that, yeah, was, that, one, like, that was one of the best tours of all time. I saw that one I, in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. That, that was I a remember, good one, too. That was a great one. One of my all time favorites. Some of the craziest shit. That's ever happened. Even yeah. Rock Candy, even us there. The best part of that tour was us rolling up to uh, Portland and they're protesting. 
And uh-huh. then out of all people, they're protesting Earth crisis. For right, once, right, I was right. like, yes, not right. us. I was like, out of all people, you're going to fuck with uh, them. I remember talking to Scott from Earth Crisis uh, about that. And uh, I was like, why do these people, like you guys are on tour with Madball. Why does everyone think you guys are like the ignorant thugs? And he's like, dude, I don't know. The because fuck? they are. Shout out to Scumbag Scott. That's my brother. <laughs> I love Earth Crisis. But yeah, that was so great. I was like, you know, and that's what I loved about Earth Crisis. Not that I loved that it happened to them, but I love that um, they were the angels with dirty faces. Yeah. 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 It, was, it, was, it was hilarious. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I was also into a lot of the more kind of like, uh, you know, like crust kind of stuff as well. So there was like uh, a place back then, uh, the Velvet Elvis in Seattle, which is where, you I know, all that. those type of bands like Man is the Bastard and stuff would play, mm-hmm. you know, those like more like ABC No Rio type bands. Yeah. So I was into that stuff too. And, and you, and that's kind of more Seattle's pulse, right? Yeah, like, definitely. Like definitely. Kind of more on that. The, the nobody crust. was <laughs> like, nobody I remember like when Master Killer came out and I was just like obsessed with it. Nobody, (laughs) not a single goddamn person in the entire fucking state gave a shit about Marauder. Especially, and even then, because the metalcore thing wasn't big within the hardcore scene, even though there was crossover bands, it was still a New New York Northeast thing. I mean, I remember, you know, as, as late as you know, 92 or something, people were saying the Cro-Mags were too metal. Yeah. You know, listen, when we, which I mean, hilarious. Imagine hardcore kids not liking Cro-Mags because they were too metal. That's how it was. I'll give you a good one too. When we, which was a metallic album, but we dropped look my way 1998. Yeah. You had to see the backlash we got for that album. Oh, really? I didn't know that. People were like, what's up with that metal album? Yo, what's up (laughs) with that metal album? And I'm like, the truth is at that time, all the hardcore bands were doing the punk rock shit. Right. Yeah. We that's were doing, it, well, that's when like AF went more punk. Gotta go. And, yes. Yeah. And where, if you look at the timeline, everybody was hey hoeing, and yep. we were we were Sick doing it all. Yeah. D- yeah, we were doing more the the the, the double bass deep groove. Yeah. It, it wasn't on purpose. We naturally always kind of go against the grain, but yeah. I always liked metal and try to, and you know, we were just trying to get hard at the time. I was like, okay, what's we got? Madball was never heavy. We were more like Hatebreed is heavy. When you hear right. Hatebreed, you hear machinery. Right. Madball is more like a bank robbery. That's what <laughs> I tell people, you yeah. know. It's a different kind of heart, a different kind of energy. You know what I mean? And at the time, we were trying to bring more heaviness, and people flipped on us. They were like, what's up with that record? Yo, you a metal band now? Blah, blah. And I'm like, look at the lay of the fucking the world right now. Right, I'm like, right. that shit might as well be a fucking was a punk that, rock record. Uh, was that the album with uh, Ben There, Done That? Or is that the one before? You know what? Ben there, I don't even remember. But I had that there, seven inch. Yeah, it was on the seven album. inch. I forget too. And that's yeah. my one of my favorite songs. That, that is. Speaking of groove, that's that groove at the beginning. Man, that is so good. I know. You want to know something? We would do it live and people would just look at us. That's why we don't play it. That's like, too oh, bad. That's that's one of my favorite. That's like a very underrated Madball song. I, thank you. And I agree. You know what? We always thought like, wow, that beginning flavor thing where we're like, yo, we got some shit here. Like, yo, we're going to be like, you know, not like cutting edge, but we're like, yo, there's yeah. something there. Yo, we would play live and people would just stare and look at us like, well, like morons. <laughs> respect to everyone who's been in the band, but I, Will Shepler is such a fucking of amazing course. drummer, man. Like, yes. so much groove. I thought it was really mm-hmm. interesting. He posted that clip on Instagram yeah. uh, yesterday of 
set it off with the drums from uh, Eric B and Rakim. Yeah. And that's one of the things that grabbed me about uh, Madball like instantly. Cause I grew up listening to rap before I knew what hardcore was Yeah, uh, starting like 87 or so when I was a little kid. Um, and uh, it always had like, it wasn't like rap core, you know, yeah, but it exactly. always had like a little bit of that groove and like, yes. you know, it makes sense. Like a lot of the New York stuff had that kind of groove without being overtly rap. Yeah. Like some bands kind of, took it and were more like a rap yeah. core. We didn't. It was just more. I always said this. If you're not going to mosh or stage die to us, I want you to bop your head. And if you bop your head, we yeah. got you. Exactly. So, and, and and my concept of the band was in New York and anywhere, you hear the guys hearing the hip hop in the cars, right? And right. you hear it go by. You hear it boom, 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 boom. You're like, you hear it go right, by. Right, right. And I said, I want that effect every time we play. That yeah. if you didn't. You know, you don't got to have that. Uh, not everybody um, shows anger or um, um, attitude that way, but everybody right. has a pulse. Right. And this is a pulse. So I, I, I would always shoot for that. But yeah, like hip hop back then, there was no Pro Tools, no MacBooks. Right. So I always used to say, I want to do something that makes me feel like that. So what I would do is write to those tracks, but I would purposely say, I don't want to be a rap hardcore band because we don't right. do that. I right. love hip hop, but I'm a purist. You know what I, mean? I like exactly. I like both of those things, but together it's there's some like Downset did it really well. Yeah, but, very good. Um, but for the most part, I think that's kind of corny. But yeah, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. You know, just getting back to what we were talking about before, it's interesting how much now you know because the internet, everyone knows about everything. Um, but you know, back in the 80s and 90s, it was not like that, and it was like very uh hard to discover anything that wasn't from like your hometown like you really had to work for it yeah no that was definitely like i remember i would go to the record store and just look for cool covers right you no know, this looks hard or yeah i saw them i saw this band rock that band's t-shirt right you know that was it's a gamble sometimes you ended up finding something amazing yeah sometimes you're like oh fuck but that made Burned it again yeah. and i also think though we gave things more of a chance back then because you used your your week right. the money you saved up you're like i'm gonna fucking listen to this record no matter what 20 times nowadays I mean, like, what i got ssd how we rock <laughs> i was oh, yeah. so bummed <laughs> yeah like well I, I, I know what you mean and i'm like but nowadays kind of like you know um like anything like a relationship you got to give shit time yeah. and then sometimes you know that's why some of those records when we did connect with them we connected to this day we're right. like oh because we invested time in looking for the connection that right. we didn't know we were looking for like you i got I mean? some of the weird black flag records and i didn't like it at first yeah but you know i spent you know eight bucks on it or whatever which back then was like <sighs> all my money lot. You know, yeah, so I'm like, absolutely. well, I'm going to listen to this fucking thing and I'm going to try to like it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you and eventually I did, you know, <laughs> exactly. I got the, I remember buying the Madball seven inch. I had seen Freddie jump up a what, AF. I didn't know. Him, but I remember going to Bleak of Bob's and said, let me see, I have enough for a seven inch. Let me yeah. see if there's a seven inch. And I go, oh, shit, they put it out. Fuck it. Let me get it. I remember. And the next thing I know. I'm fucking 30 years fucking doing this shit. <laughs> but ruined fucking, your life. It ruined my fucking life. Like, it ruined it. It blessed me and fucking fucked me at the same time. But uh, let me ask you this. You never in a band? Uh, I was in some, like, you know, crappy bands when I was in high school and stuff, you know, but nothing. You know, we covered, I, like, I want to know the name. Stuff. We, need, we need to know the name. 
you know, I don't know that we ever even had a real name. We played some just random shows that probably, you know, 18 people went to or something like that. But we covered like minor threat and DRI, like that kind of thing. It's funny. Um, like I, I just told you. So by the time this comes out, the, my last episode, I just did Mike Judge. So it was good. We have a pretty some bugged out stories about oh, um, Ian McKay. You might want to check out on okay. that one. Yeah, yeah. Pretty bugged out. Some people, um, if you by the time this comes out, if they might have heard already. And they might not be too um happy about it, but um, oh okay, I want to hear it. I'm interested. Pretty, I got a couple things in the bag. There's another one on the bag that I was talking about with you behind the scene. Yeah, I'll let you know. Oh, I told you who, but yeah. um, I'm saving that one for like Fourth of July. <laughs> you know, the fucking let's fire. That's a good one. That'll you be know? the Fourth of July present. And and that was by him. He goes, why don't we do it on the Fourth of July? And I and <laughs> at that moment, that the, the Marines from Iwo Jima lifted the flag right, in my head. Right. You know the. Um, bum, bum, fireworks bum, bum, bum. Yeah, yeah, I got real American for a second uh -huh. there. <laughs> and fucking, all right. So, in school, you had to be part of a newspaper. You had to be part of some, and you know, uh -huh. uh, some type of editorial news. What was your thing? What, what led you into what, where you at now? Well, I started out making zines uh, in like ninety two, ninety three. Wow, um, that's early on. Yeah, I was like 14, 15, uh, interviewing just, you know, basically I was into a lot of those more like ABC to you no know, Rio type bands and nobody was really writing about them mm. outside of a few people. So I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to do it. So I interviewed like capitalist casualties and man is the bastard and spaz and all that kind of stuff and dystopia. And then I eventually ended up interviewing other bands like, uh, like downset and VOD and stuff like that. Um, Wow, you but, got uh, to do those some, some yeah late later you know cool. later on but uh yeah and uh but yeah in, in school i was uh the editor of our paper for a couple years i was I also yeah exactly you know you're too well spoken to be a hardcore kid without some because hardcore kids are this they're sneaky yeah, you know I mean, like being a hardcore kid, you already know. Okay, there's a certain type of animal you have in yep. you, but then you always have those that you know. There's some of us that grind, you know, in um in in that type of environment, you know, uh, in education. I liked it. Yeah, I was also yeah. on the debate team, uh, which was go. which was really fun. I took debate really seriously. Like I went to debate camp and stuff, That's and dope. I remember like and went to like tournaments every weekend and stuff like that. And uh, wow. that, I actually learned more from doing debate in high school than just about anything else in my life because. You learn how to persuade people of a, you know, you got to make your point and persuade them and the judges vote on it. And I learned a ton from it's, that. It's basically like a lawyer. Yeah, exactly. A lot of people, yeah, that that's a really common thing. It's like people who do well in debate uh, oftentimes end up going to law school, yeah. uh, which, you know, maybe in another life I would have done that. I don't know. <laughs> and definitely it works for what you do now because, you know, to talk your shit, you got to be able to cover your ass yeah. with, with, with facts and yep. or at least your 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 homework you yeah know what i mean, Instead I mean people general, aren't gonna oh, listen anyway it doesn't matter everyone thinks they're a fucking expert on everything so it doesn't oh, matter but you know that you know that that's no matter what i got some little shithead kids now trying to tell me what hawk right. is but it's gonna be what it is <laughs> right you know i'm like all right if that's what you want to say i'm all not right, gonna buddy. argue with you i got my yeah. own son to spank you know which i don't <laughs> spank but i want to beat the crap out of him but i don't touch him but anyway that's yeah. another episode but yeah. um yeah um no because um that's what I caught. That's what I liked. I, like I was catching your show. What I liked about your angle. So it's something what I'm doing now. And, and, and I got to say what you did kind of influenced me a little bit. It's a part what you do and a part what these hip hop guys are doing uh -huh. now, 
That's the one thing I and I'm a hip hop head, but I don't like a lot of things about the way hip hop moves. But right. what I'm noticing now, what a lot of hip hop dudes were doing is kind of, you know, giving more of a news based kind of what's going on in, yep. in the world. And you kind of did something similar, but you may have narrowed it down to a certain subject, but it's something kind of what's going on now or it's involved in our world. Something that is water cooler talk, but now you're kind of pinpointing it and say, OK, let's make it a subject and let's fucking hit it. Yeah, I, I follow a lot of those like uh, rap channels, too. So that, that actually was really influential to me. Yeah, exactly. And 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 what I use, that's what I started doing now, which I'm dropping every Wednesday called the hard corner with my boy Busky. Basically, oh, okay. I, I felt exactly how I felt what you were doing when I saw what you were doing. I said, I'm glad somebody from our side is speaking on interpreting the lay of the land from our way, from our behind our eyeballs out. You know, it's always we would always hear them. Um, yeah, okay, you know, Fat Mike, shout out to all those guys and all that. But all right, that's different. It's right. Or we're hearing on the guy from Machine Head, shout out to them, but it's always but like coming from a hardcore kid, somebody who was involved in this world, who really involved with this world, doing it and doing it right. That's well, the difference. That. You know, because that way we could rally around somebody, we could be, we could say, "Listen, let him talk for us." Well, I, you know, but I want to be careful not to talk for everybody because, you know, like, for example, I did that video about New York hardcore, you know, which I, I loved. I, thank you. I appreciate that. But that was a tough one for me because, you know, I didn't grow up there. And like, that's something like I have a lot of respect for that scene. So, you know, I had to be careful to say, look, I'm not going to tell you that this is the history because I, you know, I wasn't yeah. there. I'm not the person to tell that story, but I'm just going to tell you my experience with it. Yeah. And, and that's what you did that was fucking great because I think that's where I actually might have hit you up originally. And then not because people talking about Madball or none, because it was done perfect and from somebody who wasn't from the scene and you made it a point to say that and you said it, again, the Bay team, that should, you fucking, you you should give yourself, uh, your parents, uh, extra hug or kiss for putting you in that school because that helped. Yeah. With shit like that, we're basically articulating what you got to say. And um, same thing for us, like um, having somebody with a voice that will be taken seriously from our world. Hardcore has always been looked at as, oh, and punk rock, that's some little kid shit. That's little kid music. Right. We're not little kids no more. No, we're old men now. <laughs> yes, exactly. And <laughs> what I, I like, kid. but what I'm glad is also we got the voices from us doing shit, you know, a, a very... You know, well done, um, thought out. Um, um, the homework is done. The presentation is done. Again, I take a lot of things from you. I watch what you're doing, how guys are doing, and trying to step elevate the game. Because, well, I appreciate that. No, and 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 that's what I love. And and again, that's what keeps me rocking and I and and rooting for guys like you. How the fuck did you fall into this lane? Obviously, you know, um, the the regular um uh, my spaces and friendsters was definitely a a a, a springboard for a lot yeah. of um sharing conversation what what well, made you kind of obviously the zine shit what, yeah. what made you take it to this level now like once the first level up well to me i mean this is the same thing as the zine stuff i was doing 30 years ago true uh i did uh, a couple blogs like you know 15 years ago or something when that was like a thing uh, and then when it became obvious to me that YouTube was the place where people were having these conversations, I was like, well, I guess I 
I guess I got to do it there. And it took me a while to kind of figure it out. It took me a good year or so of making videos that nobody really watched and stuff, um, which is frustrating. But, you know, that's part of the deal. It's like, you know, when you start a band, you got to go play your yeah. horrible sets to three people. And, you know, that's just part of the deal. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, basically, that's just my thing is like wherever people are paying attention now, that's where I want to be. Like I started doing Twitch last year, which I consider late to the game, but I like to be a little bit late at this point like i'm not trying to be the first person to do it because i mean think about like how many bands were the first person first people to do a thing yeah they're not benefiting from the no fucking- they're not at all no <laughs> yeah oh i know trust me i know what you mean that's smart that's smart. like let everybody up get yeah. the acclimates of being the 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 guy, the, the the prairie men living on the prairie. I want to yeah. be the guy who lives on the building built on the prairie that was already exactly <laughs> with exactly. a corner store built already. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's kind of how I look at it. But you know, it's just like uh, you know, and uh, a lot of people like you know, I get a lot of criticism because maybe they feel like I talk about uh, stuff that's not hardcore or punk or whatever too much. Um, but you know, it's the same thing for you guys. It's like you could you know, you guys were pretty early to playing the big rock festivals in Europe and stuff like that. And I know people talk shit about that. And, you know, there's some bands that had major label deals and stuff. And, uh, I, I want to talk about hardcore as much as possible, but, um, it's the same thing as, you know, with Madball playing those big shows. If you want to reach a bigger audience, you can't just stay in the tiny little world of hardcore, which is a fucking tiny world. I mean, I remember thinking, you know, in 96 or 97, that VOD was like the biggest band in the world and like that they oh, were like rock stars and thinking back, like, dude, they're playing to 250 people on a good night. On a good night. You know, That's probably making 400 bucks, you know, between the whole band. Yes. Um, hardcore. And they were a huge, you know, same with Earth Crisis. They were huge at the by the standards for hardcore. But hardcore is just not a big yeah. world. Um, and, and I want to be able to you know, spread. I always try to sprinkle that stuff in wherever I can. But if all I did was make videos about obscure hardcore bands, nobody would watch it. <laughs> It'd be an obscured fucking audience. <laughs> yeah, there'd be 17 people watching a video about, you know, the yeah, fucking but, Starkweather demo. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, exactly. No, I know what you mean. And it's true. But what I like is it's not far off, though. All right. Yeah, you're not singing about fucking, um, you know, the psychos. Y'all, right. I mean, you're singing. You're not writing about fucking doing things, but you know, it's still branches off the branch off the branch. Right. You know what I mean? Because, you know, it's funny. People forget those fucking metal magazines. What we, we used to go through and buy for one little article of exactly. a hardcore band. Yep. You had to go through a whole bunch of other shit. It's yep. called, it's all you in the realm. chamber on the cover. Exactly. And then on page 42, there was, three paragraphs about Candiria. Exactly. And you would do that, but you had to get through, you had to sift through the shit, you know, or whatever, what shit to you is not shit to somebody else, but it's all under the umbrella of the whole rock and roll counterculture, whatever you want to call it, heavy music. That's why I liked what you did. And And the more I do it, like when I started podcasting again, even more and more, I forget because a lot of these dudes are my friends, but then I'm realizing, I don't say it's a hardcore podcast. Guess what? I know I got so many friends that are metal guys that rap. I don't give a fuck. I'm right. like, I like talking to people, you know, and I'm like, wow, I just happen to know a lot of interesting people. Yeah. Fucking lucky. But I'm like, I, I love it all. Like, you know, I'm like, you know, you can find, but I'm like, I like that. Um, Again, 
I'm the guy rooting for where I think it's time we need more of these. You know, um, the metal guys got the golden metal gods awards. Yep. They have, you know, shout out to all those dudes and, you know, all these platforms have that, but we don't meaning yeah. like hardcore I mean, punk rock. I would say, and I'm not trying to like blow smoke up my own ass, but I would say that as far as like, you know, I don't think there's anybody who has talked about hardcore, you know, that has as like my channel isn't huge, but no. like, I, I think it's probably gotten, you know, You're the more, biggest channel. Yes. I think, I think so. I mean, you know, I've got, you know, like earth uh, video about earth crisis that has like 400,000 views or something <laughs> now. And, you know, I understand Absolutely. they were on CNN and shit back in the day, but as far as like someone doing like a detailed breakdown of it, I don't think anybody has talked about hardcore and gotten more views than I have. Absolutely. That's a fact. I know that for a fact because I'm on it and I'm looking, you know, and I watch. And also that's how I ran into you wasn't nobody put me on. You know, you watch one channel, you start getting fed yeah. all these shits. All right, let me check this out. And one, I was catching those and I was like, oh, this is bugged out. Even if you did one on, you know, um, um, Gerard, what's his right. band? Uh, My Chemical Romance yeah, yeah. or somebody. Because I know, by the way, Gerard's a hardcore kid. Yeah, yeah. All that. You know, he, he used to come to early Mad Boy shows. Yeah. You know, um, but it was like, um, I would see that and you would do, and I'm like, I get it because I know, you know, and I'm like, yo, that's a cool angle. And then you would hit them all over the head with a, an OG regular, okay, like the one you did, the New York hardcore one. Yep. But then you'll hit another angle, you know, um, um, the baby metal one or something yeah, yeah. like that. Well, guess what? Mabel also played with baby metal. Oh, really? That's amazing. Yeah, in Europe, we did fest with them. That makes and, sense. And, and, when I'm, like, and when I'm doing a video about My Chemical Romance, behind me, there's a Born Against flyer. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know? No, I get, yeah, of course, it's, it's what it is. It's, 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 we're talking about what's, what we engulfed in. Yeah. You know, and people forget that, that we're engulfed in all this shit. Look at the news. When you read the newspaper, you don't like everything you read in the news. Sure. You know, you're lucky if you read something, a good article that makes you head in general, it's fucking sad shit. And man, this ain't, and we gotta, when we give news, we're just basically, you know, like it or not, we're showing you what's yeah. connected to us, you know, and, you could take it for what it is, but it is what it is, you know? And, and you know, another thing, I think uh, a lot of people, you know, there's a certain segment of fans who only like one genre of stuff, right? Yeah. But what they need to realize is the people in the bands that they listen to, nobody in a good band is like that. Yeah. You know, it's like the guys from your favorite band don't go home and listen to 50 other bands that sound exactly like their band. Yeah. They probably yeah. listen to everything but that. Yeah. So I would encourage everyone to like, you don't have to like everything, but at least, you know, try to understand why other people like it. Step outside your comfort zone. And, you know, yeah. if you can sort of, you know, challenge yourself to to do that, I think you'll probably be glad you did. Yeah, no, for sure. Because I was the opposite, you know, and I'm uh, and I admit that I was one of those who's like, fuck that New York Hawker. Why am I going to listen to that shit? When I got breakdown, raw deal, rest of pieces, sick of it all, AF, Chromax, fuck everybody well, else. That's the New York way. Is like <laughs> you, know? you don't give a shit about anything outside like your six you, blocks of your borough. borough. Exactly. You know, you don't even if you're from Brooklyn, you don't even care what happens in Queens. Yeah, exactly. And but the fact was that later on I regret it. Like again, it's different with the suicidals and stuff. That's yeah. family right there. But you know, even then I was like, I, I wouldn't bump as much suicidal because I had the Chromax. You know what I mean? I had my version. So I was like, I'm good. I'm good yeah. over it. But then later on, I fucking regret it because later on I'm hearing these records from some OGs. I'm like, yo, that's dope. 
And I'm like, fuck, I'm actually late to the game. Right. You know, I'm, I'm a motherfucker. Like, I, you know, people are looking at me, like trying to follow me. And I'm like, they, you know, they, they've took streets that I don't even know existed, you know? Totally. So you don't, you don't want to be that person. And that's one thing that I actually was glad that growing up, in, and I grew up like way outside Seattle, like 20 miles outside mm -hmm. Seattle, which now is like a, you know, a place people commute from, but there's nothing there when I grew up there. And I'm actually glad about that because, you know, I didn't have, there really was hardly any scene for me to care about. So I had no choice and I didn't know anything about anything. Now it's like, and I'm not trying to be the old man saying, oh, no, it's different, but it is kind of different. It's like yeah, people understand, they sort of understand, oh, here's this like identity that I'm going to choose. Like, am I like the grindcore kid or am I the thrash metal kid or am I the pop punk kid? And you like, you yeah. pick one. But, you know, back in the day, sort of nobody knew anything about anything. So you just sort of stumbled into just being into whatever you were into. Yeah. And I'm grateful for that because that's how I ended up listening to Green Day and yeah. fucking, uh, you know, Madonna and EPMD at the same time. Yeah, no, for sure. That's the one thing that I did love about the scenes that weren't Boston, New York or an L.A. that. It, it, you were you had to be more open because you, you weren't getting everything. Right. Like there was but, one hardcore band in Seattle in the 90s, which was Undertow. Exactly. You know, there were other remember, bands, yeah. but Undertow was like the only one the band, that really yeah. mattered and played shows. And like there was one band. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and again, and, and with that being said, that's why you get bands later. Like uh, uh, like what you were saying, Um, um, who was it from um, there? Um, uh, from the Seattle, the Melvins. The yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like these mishmashes of you could tell they were into everything. Right. You know what I mean? Like in New York, the era that we love, you could kind of tell oh, the same four bands we all right. listen to. You know what right. I mean? These other bands you would hear you like, I hear this. I hear like, again, when, when I met Toby, he kind of would bring up all these DC bands that I was even, I heard about and then forgot about them that he would right. re bring them up. And I'm, I still not into them, but the screams and all that type of shit. Right. I'm like, but that was, again, it took somebody from D.C. and he was Toby was already more in that type of scene. He's, he had that. Toby's like that New York hardcore and that D.C. punkish hardcore. Right. That's his. So he kind of would be the only guy I really knew into that. And everybody else was the older dudes. Right. So it, it didn't matter. So I was like, I guess some people still like this shit. I used to think like <laughs> I never got into any of that D.C. stuff. It was uh, like, always too like. You know, not that I'm some kind of tough guy or something, but just always too like wimpy for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I, I'm an extremist. I want someone to just either like bulldoze marauder, just yeah. like pure, <laughs> yeah. like fucking ignorant aggression. Yeah. Or I want it to be, you know, Britney Spears and Madonna. The Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. I hear yeah, you. I don't, I, hear I don't you. want it in the middle. Yeah. And I hear you. I know how that shit goes. I'm the same way. I, I was, I'm definitely was like uh, on the, heavier edge of everything and then later on you know even when i was like that i'd go home and listen to the jackson five and then right. love it but then still be like nah i'm only about the hard shit <laughs> like almost like being like uh i would blank myself out to yeah, myself yeah. and then later on i'm realizing i'm like yo you're listening to all this shit <laughs> you know you're talking all this shit but yet fucking blah 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 fucking yeah. crazy hello everybody I'm Bruce. And I'm Nolan. And this is the Corner of Gray Street Podcast. As longtime Dave Matthews Band fans, we set out to create a podcast to dive deep into the past, present, and future of DMB. Not only do we recap and review shows within an ongoing tour, 
but we revisit past shows from throughout the band's history, conduct interviews with a wide variety of guests with ties to DMB, and create unique and exclusive content like our Concerts on the Corner series. Whether you're a fan of the band or just a fan of great music, we think you'll find something you'll enjoy. We can't wait to see you on The Corner of Gray Street. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenged Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. But let me ask you this. What advice would you give anybody trying to do what you're doing? Coming up in, in, in the whole um, Twitch uh, podcast, yeah. whatever universe you want to call it. Well, I'll give you some general advice and spe some specific yes. advice. General advice is, uh, for one, be consistent. Understand that it's most likely going to take you a while before anybody gives a shit about what you're doing that, you know, it might be like a year or two. So just yeah. be willing to like grind and just, it's going to be disheartening. It's going to suck when you put out a video or whatever and two people watch it. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> I've been there, but you hear this motherfuckers, make sure you subscribe. You fucks. That's right. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Sub subscribe and, uh, and the Patreon too. make sure patreon.com slash the smoking word right now you know it that's right get on that creator. shit that's right that's right. this is thank that's why you know a shout out to my patrons that's why i'm trying to step up the set we're stepping up the game because the same thing i really on the real i believe our world you know again with guys like you we have the people in place now we just got to keep pumping it out and keep yep. like doing what you do and showing where we come from but also showing 
you know, we got a we, we got a broad spe- spectrum on what we're into, and we're still knowing where the fuck we come from. Yeah. But also giving our input on what we think, you know, what everything else is. But uh, consistency. What yep. else you were saying? Consistency. Uh, and have a specific point of view. Uh, and you may not know what that is yet the way you will find, but, but just start doing shit. Don't like, this is to me is like the essence of punk to me is like, you just do shit. Even if you don't really know what you're doing, you don't know what's right. I mean, and that is how you will find what's right. And don't worry about if it's like unpolished and the production values are bad and like, whatever, that shit doesn't matter. Like how many great recordings do you love that were, uh, the product of, a bunch of fucking teenagers who barely knew how to tune their guitars going to Don Fury for four hours. And it came out fucking amazing. Even yeah. though all those people now would look back on it and be like, man, we had no fucking clue what we were doing. Yeah. yeah. So just right. make shit and keep making shit. That's the most important thing, but you'll eventually find your specific point of view, which is like the one thing that only you can do. Um, and there's no way to do that other than to just make shit. And eventually it will sort of, percolate up it will make itself apparent for example for me like you know i grew up in all the kind of stuff that we talked about but also like i I, like i think about things from a business point of view because like that's what i went to school for that's what i do for work like to me it's just how i look at it and i'm not saying that's the only like i'm not saying that's good or bad that's just how i see things and i I can't see things any other way so when i talk about music it's not so much about what i like or don't like it's just like well you know, here's what happened and here's why I think it was successful or not successful. That's my point of view. Some people don't like it. Some people do whatever, but just find your point of view and understand that not everyone is going to like that. There's going to be a lot of people who don't like you and that's okay. And it's not important. What's important is connecting with the people who do like you again, to use the Madball example, very few bands were uh, hated more than Madball by the (laughs) quote unquote punk establishment, you know, in the nineties. For sure. The number one fucking bad guy, Madball and Earth Crisis were the the, the fucking, you know, Joker and fucking Penguin of hardcore back then. But it doesn't matter. Like what mattered is that you found the people who did love what you do. And that's what enabled you to do everything you have done. There might have been fucking a million people that hate you. But if there's 100,000 people that love you, that's what's important. You're right. You're right. And as far as specific tactical stuff goes, um, I would say start out on TikTok because right now that is where it's easiest to build a following. Mm. Um, you could you could start out right now making TikToks on your phone uh, for zero dollars, and if you make the right thing, you might get ten thousand views on your first TikTok. Wow! Uh, you might not. But so yeah, yeah, but I know what you mean. That, but you could. I mean, there's could. I know people that you know on their fourth TikTok got a million views. Crazy. You know th- that happens all the time. Uh, and it's, and nobody expects it to be like visually polished. So you can just do it on your phone. It's okay. Like, it's actually kind of good if it looks like shit on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it kind of, yeah, I know what you mean. Like people want to see, it's like I an get old it. cut and paste zine, you know? That's, yeah. Yeah. That's and I get it. The same idea, the whole behind the scenes kind of shit. You want right. to see the raw shit, the real shit, you know? Like, yep. I would not sense. start out doing a podcast unless you already have a following from something else, for example, like you or Toby, you know, people know who you guys are from all the shit you've done. So you have a built-in audience for that. For someone else who is starting from zero, it's really hard to grow a podcast just because like podcast discovery is hard. 
I would not um, start. I, I talked to some people still who want to do like blogging. I would not do that because it's just very hard to get people to care about written content. It's so hard, yeah. I would deep. start on TikTok because it's the easiest place to get started and get discovered. YouTube is also a good place, but YouTube uh, sort of requires you to do a little bit more in terms of production and stuff. So I don't think starting in YouTube is bad. If you are inclined to make sort of longer form content, YouTube's yeah. not a bad place to start. But I would say start on TikTok and just try to make, you know, I understand people have jobs in school and other shit like that, but try to make three TikToks a day. Yeah. Like every day forever. Yeah. You know? yeah. I, th I th think I th about you're this. Right. Yeah, what you're if right. you made three TikToks a day for a year? That's a thousand TikToks. What do you think would happen? You think one of those would take off? I bet it would. Yeah. You know, you're right. And I agree. And, and I know that from doing not just working out, obviously, with the band, you know, you, and even with the podcast, you know, consistency, they, they got to recognize if they yep. like you or not, they're going to recognize you're in it. Yep. You know, and that's all you need that you know that we're playing ball. Because I tell people, I go, you don't got to like me or do this, but you got to know I'm playing ball. We in it. We got uniforms on. We got <laughs> baseball bat. We're ready to play. Yeah. You know, and, that's and, the name and, of the game. Yeah. And, that, and that's true. And that's good because especially coming from you, I know you must hear that a lot. Did you ever think about putting out some type of fucking or have you any type of uh, for uh, podcasting for dummies type of thing? Uh. I, or you don't want to give your secret. Are you like Houdini? You got some secrets that you're just no, going to no, die no. with. Or do no. I got to go over there with my boys and fucking no. wait outside your house for some <laughs> I YouTube think, secrets? Uh, I would love <clears throat> to do that. Um, I just don't really have time. I also have a, uh, I also run a company with some other people uh, called uh, URM Academy. If you guys are into like mixing and stuff, you might know Nail the Mix. That's kind of our big product. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but. I've seen you talking about that also. Yeah. yeah. You were doing a lot of those. Um, those um, um whatever programs was, um, um uh so we teach people stuff, yeah man. we teach people how to record and mix music we've had a bunch of bands on that people would know like bring me the horizon fallout boy mashuga periphery data remember gojira wow. um and fucking i don't know opeth like every everybody oh, we've had yeah. like 75 bands or something on now so I, I just don't have a lot of time um but i am actually super passionate about education that's actually what i've i mean for the past 10 years i've run education online education companies yeah uh actually i i really enjoy it and i love it i just don't have time to make something specifically about youtube but um i would love to someday if if it ever works out so like so i know you do that and i know you kind of got a lot of jobs a couple of different jobs Everything you do online is that your main job? Meaning from the 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 the, the punk rock, the the podcast, yeah. from the TikTok, is that all those? Is that your main gig? Uh, well, you know, I actually consider nail the mix to be my my real job um, right. because I'm going to keep doing that forever. I may not do YouTube forever, but I'm going to mm. do nail the mix as long as I fucking can because like that's what I went to school for. Like that's what I like. I mean, I never actually expected YouTube to be anywhere near this successful. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's just like, it's kind of amazing. But, you know, I went to school for design and business. So that, that's what I do now is like my main job is what is called like a product manager, which is to decide. Um, uh, I work with our engineer and basically I decide what features on our website get built and then work with him to like help build them. Wow. Um, and that's like, that's what I actually went to school for. I spent the last 20 years of my life really focused on that. I just mm. happen to know a lot about, you know, this weird music um, about a lot of shitty bands. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so uh, YouTube, I look at it as like, if it, I'm going to keep doing that as long as people give a shit, 
Um, if they stop giving a shit, then I guess I'll quit doing it. Um, but yeah, as long yeah. as people are showing up, like, I don't, I just think it's, uh, I think it's sad when you see people still continuing to do a thing when people don't give a fuck about it yeah. anymore. Um, yeah. cause they don't know what else to do with themselves. Like these bands that are like clearly washed up, they suck. Nobody's going to their shows. I understand. Like if you, if you're washed up and you suck, but people are still paying to go to the shows, I get yeah. it. Ride that fucking thing till the wheels fall off. I know. Um, what you mean. Go play those festivals in Spain and get those fucking paychecks all day long. <laughs> um, but when it's like some washed up band that's playing to 15 people in Fresno, it's like, dude, this is just sad. And I don't want to be that person. So yeah. eventually the day is going to come where people don't give a fuck about me anymore. And uh, and I'll quit doing it. And I will you know, continue to build products because that's like the thing I you know, feel like I'm best at. Yeah, I see some new kids coming up. There was some new kid I just ran into. It was pretty funny. He was actually talking shit on us, but it was pretty funny how he did uh -huh. it because he's like, these boomers or whatever the fuck they call us, or whatever <laughs> yeah. the word is, you know. But he's like, these boomer hardcore bands and blah, blah, blah. He's like dissing all of us saying that we're all old guys or whatever. But and he's and then he's like, but the, what's the the Cali Fest they have? The this is something fest, you know. Oh, this is hardcore? No, not that this is hardcore. It's a Cali. Oh, one. no, no. Um, uh, Sound of Fury. Yeah, he's like, now he was saying about this is hardcore being like a boomer fest or yeah. whatever the word is. And he's like, now nah, if you want to see what's really popping, you want to go to. And he then he started talking about uh -huh. that festival. No, but Sound of Fury is like, they're just different things. Sound of yeah. Fury is super cool. I don't know if Ray Harkins is still involved with that, but he used to work yeah. it for years. Uh, I know him really well. And I actually think it's really cool. Like Sound of Fury, they've sort of specifically said, hey, we're not going to book any old bands. Not because they think, old, like, to be clear, it's not because they think the old bands suck. They're just like, well, new we we, we want to do something different with all newer bands. And I think yeah. that's really cool because I do agree that it's kind of a bummer to me that there's people out there who only care about old bands. Yeah, I agree. Um, on the other hand, obviously, you know, like what Joe does with This Is Hardcore is also awesome. I think they're just two different things. Um, and uh, I guarantee you nobody involved with Sound and Fury like Oh yeah, thinks Madball sucks. No, so no, I agree. Probably no, I got, might be a little bit mixed up. No, I know I agree, but it was funny, and I actually liked it because even how he did it, it wasn't. I didn't feel violated. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, this is a young bug talking his shit. He, he was talking. Oh, really, it. Yeah, yeah, it was exactly. He did it well done. I'll give him that much. You know, he's he has a platform. He's going for it, trying to make it look really good. Yeah. You know, and like trying to do it. It was pretty, and actually got me a chuckle and it got me talking about it. Like I don't hate on it, but it was, it was pretty yeah. funny. I'm like. You know, finding that out, but uh, you know these kids today. But one hey, thing, so, I, I, yeah, no, no, no. Sh I, I, again, I shout out everybody who's involved spreading the news, who at least still says, "Hey, we listen to hardcore. I'm a hardcore yeah. guy. I like hardcore. I don't like that hardcore band. Just say hardcore. And make sure you say it. And when you say it, say it with balls or with a clit or whatever. Now the proper way is say we uh <laughs> whatever the PC but, word but is. But don't say hardcore. You yeah, can't exactly. say it that way. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, this is something I've been wanting to talk to you about. Yeah. And I just, I knew you were into it, but I just saw you're a purple belt, right? A shitty purple belt. All I right. Guess. But still, a shitty purple belt is still good than a, you know, a, a, a good white belt in some yep. cases. But because uh, I love the sport, I follow, you know, I trained on and off for a lot of years, no rank, but I, I came up training with Henzo back in the okay. day. Yeah. And I love the sport and I follow the sport like crazy. So yeah. I, I, I'm always into it. And then I saw that, you know, you trained and also that you trained seriously. Yeah. What, what got you in? Because I'm a jujitsu head. I actually had Remco on one of my past episodes. Oh, that's right. That's right. And, and he's an old friend. 
during the UFC days, he was coming right. to our shows and, you know, I got to be part of that behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, that, that's what me got, got me into it back in the day uh, was seeing UFC. And I mean, anybody who saw UFC back then, you know, whatever, 93, 94, whenever that came out, like that was like just blew everyone's mind. Um, yeah. But back then, I didn't actually get to start training until a while after that because it was really hard to actually find any. I trained a little bit back in the 90s, but training jujitsu in the 90s was like a different beast. It was, yeah. oh, it was yeah. a mess. Oh, Unless yeah. you happen to live, you know, by Henzo or Horion or someone like that. But yeah, like you were getting a really watered down. Just, yeah. Some flaky fucking Brazilian that doesn't. Just give trying a to, shit. Yeah. Yeah. He don't give a shit. He's yeah. probably beating you up. Yeah. Taking advantage. I know that there was a lot of those. Yeah. A lot of those. So I didn't really start seriously training until maybe 2004 or something like that. Uh, I started doing MMA in uh, Cincinnati. Um oh. Because back then, Cincinnati, like Ohio, had a really popping like regional MMA scene. Oh yeah, this is when like George Gurgel and Rich Franklin. Of course, I was gonna say George. Right now, he's right now. Who would think that he would become the guy to all the guys coming out of him now? Like I know a lot of dudes that came out of his camp, George's camp. Midwest man, the Midwest MMA scene in the two thousands was sick. Yeah, because there's so many of those just tough as fucking balls wrestlers yes um and like you could go to a regional mma show in ohio in 2005 and like see matt hughes and frank trigg walking around you know and rich franklin might be refing a fight and you know the people that were fighting in those shows were no fucking joke i mean not that they are now like the uh, but i know you mean but like hard nose just straight up wrestlers that just learn how to pass your guard and smash that was the fucking piss out of you and there's nothing you could do about it yeah. Um, so yeah, I started training back then. Uh, never, I've never been a great wrestler. I did Muay Thai pretty seriously there for a few years. I was training six, six days a week for a while. Wow. I never got any rank because, you know, back then it was just dudes training in some garage and beating each other up, yeah. you know? Um, and, uh, it was cool. And, uh, I, I enjoyed that a lot. And then I started doing just straight up jujitsu, maybe 2016 or something like that. Um, and, uh, you know, at that point I'm old and I don't want to fucking yeah. get punched or like, I just can't train at that same kind of intensity that I could when I was 25. Um, and yeah. So, and, and, and when you were training, when you started training, that was all in Seattle, uh, back in the nineties, I trained a little bit in Seattle, really not very much, uh-huh. um, with, uh, Marcelo Alonso. Um, right. back then uh, was he was like the only guy around here and this guy named eric dahlberg who now i guess is a pretty well-known black belt he was pretty yeah. well back then um but uh very very little with them and uh trained a little bit when i lived in montclair with a guy named mike Merkulich. uh in uh i think it was in montclair might have been like bloomfield or something a little bit up there but not really seriously uh-huh. until uh i lived in ohio and then oh that's where you started hitting it hard in ohio yep. Yeah. And, and where you're training now? Where's the spot? Who, who are you training now? Well, I'm taking a couple months off because I my hands are all fucked up. I don't know if you can see, but this pinky, I broke both my pinkies a bunch. Um, oh. So I'm taking a little bit of time off. But I was training at a place in Seattle called Kindred. Shout out to uh, Kyle and Alfie and everybody at uh, Kindred. You might have seen uh, one of our guys, Austin Daffron, fought in the Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds on Fight Pass oh. recently. Oh, dope, really dope. fucking awesome group of guys. I love that place. Yeah, I, I love the, the Jiu-Jitsu game. I got a lot of boys. You know, I've been following the sport forever. Like, I used to come back from Brazil in the 90s and bring back the mag- the Thaumann magazines. Yeah. They were all in Portuguese, Brazilian, but just yep. for the pictures, you know. And um, I was lucky to come up with Henzo. And I was also lucky that um, now who are some of the 
his world-renowned black belt. Sure. I know when they were fucking blue belts. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I remember Matt Sarah when he was a purple belt. You know what right. I mean? Like, our class was, like, Henzo was teaching my class. Yeah. I like one of his black belts. Right. A normal class for us back then was Henzo, Rodrigo Gracie, Matt yeah. Sarah, Nick Sarah, and fucking um, 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 Hyen, if he was in town. Yeah. Hyen used to be walling. Yeah, like, yeah. it was crazy. What I, I, loved, I heard. What I loved about Juan Henzo's the best, period. He, human. And every, he's New York Our, hardcore guy. Yeah, our uh, kindred in Seattle. And by the way, if you're in the Seattle area, definitely, and you want to train jujitsu, definitely hit up kindred. Uh, ask for Kyle. Uh, he he used to be in hardcore back in the 90s, too. So go go check yeah. out kindred if you're in the area. But it is a of the Henzo lineage. Oh. And uh, I, I feel like... Uh, I, you know, I don't know what it is, but I feel like the Henzo lineage schools are like consistently really fucking good. And, and I'll tell you why. Because of Henzo. Let me tell you, not because, look at, we all know that, look at, that dude's a special guy. Yeah. Our classes back then were like this. It, it was to a point, like I get goose pimples right now because they don't make dudes like that. Uh, Henzo was I mean, like he this. He really put his ass on the fucking line back Listen, then in MMA you know, in a way that a lot of jujitsu guys didn't back yeah, then. Yeah, and you know when people say, "Oh, I love, I'll teach for nothing, I teach for nothing." This is a Henzo's class back then. Yo, here, Henzo, I got my tuition for the month. Put it in the bag. It'd be a bag with money. You don't sign <laughs> nothing. You could put. He didn't care. One yeah. time I didn't show up because I, I was low on funds, and I walked in and I remember he's training and him without looking at me. I hear. Oh shit, a ghost just walked in. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm kind of feeling, you know, you how it is, you don't come. And he's like, what happened? I go, ah, you know, a little tight on loot or whatever. And he goes, when did I ever ask you for money, Hoyle? This is what he said. And I said, nah, I know. But, you know, he goes, all right, check this out. I'm going to tell you this right now. You get me whenever you got me if you ever got it. So now what's going to be your excuse when you don't show <laughs> up? I was like, but. That's the type of dude that yeah. to this day I walk around. You know, he, I always get a text from Randall. What's up, Hoyer? You got to come home. He always says New York City is your house. You know, and um, but um, the thing about his game and I seen he's he doesn't teach. He ain't trying to keep you there the 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 first year. So okay, let him stay. So I, I know in a year he's gonna get a blue belt. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Three, he, no, he would teach a a, a move. Okay, we're going to teach you, you know, passing the side guard. Then he'll go, okay, everybody match up. Then he go, okay, Hoya, come over here. This is when I was also a lot bigger. Yeah. Hoya, since you're bigger and you're not that flip, this is how you're going to do it. This is without asking a white belt, not some guy he's training, and right away he would cater to you and you'd be like, and he would show you that attention and he'd put you on. And again, one of the main reasons why, how much love he has for the fight game and teaching. But two, at that time, you know it, like kind of what you said, um, now people join jujitsu to be a, ju a grappling champion. Yeah. Back then we learned jujitsu because we want to learn how to fight. Right. Right. There was a difference. Very we different. saw, we saw UFC and said, okay, we need to learn how to survive getting punched in the face. Yeah. Now guys go and they'll be like, yo, I want to be a IB, you know, GF, yeah. whatever champion and never get, you know, different mentality, which is totally you know? cool, but it is Absolutely. just different. Um, yeah. I actually, uh, I you love know, that the gra the grappling game too. Yeah, the, dude, jujitsu now is so much fucking more technical and better than it was twenty years ago. <laughs> like a um a, a good blue belt now would probably give a hard time to a lot of black belts twenty Absolutely. years ago. Absolutely, especially like with the leg locks and shit. 
Um, they will like there are so many blue belts out there that'll rip your goddamn leg off if you don't know how to defend it. Absolutely. And then again, you know why Hanzo's the shit? Because Hanzo comes from the whole holes um, 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 lineage, the Carlson from, mm -hmm. okay, we need the best wrestlers. Let's get the wrestlers then. We're going to learn how to yep. wrestle. We don't know we need the best leg locks. Let's get the Sambo guys. Yep. Let's get the, that's what I remember being at Hanzo's thing and seeing Sambo guys come and seeing, um, you name it, he would bring them in. Let's get them in. Let's get them in. I, I always like that Carlson approach of like, no bullshit. Like, yes. let's just get in there and fucking give it everything we got. And if we got to get our asses beat, then we'll get our asses beat. Exactly. They hiding and he would, behind anything. And you know what? I love Henzo would take like me, my boy Royce. Shout out to Royce. You know, we're white belt, we, but we were white belts, but about grinders. He know we were in there. Yep. We were in. He, he loved us because he knew all oh, these motherfuckers. I ain't here for yep. for the shit we like. But some new guy will come and be like. Yo, Royce, yo, whatever. Yo, go roll with these dudes. Even the dudes are higher rank because he'll know we're going to get, we're going to, we're game. Let's yep. just see. Not about when. Let's see what this dude got. But I would walk in, see some of his, I remember one time he had these twins back in the day. Really good dudes. Big white boys, really in shape. I was like, oh, these guys are going to be champions. But they would, ta they would wax everybody. One day I'm walking and he's going at, the, the one twin is going at it with this dude for like a half hour. And I'm like, Wow, finally this fucking guy gets got. And I'm like, and Henzo looks at me and goes, Yeah, that guy's a two-time double NCA double wrestler, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I was like, homeboy was like a, a two-stripe blue belt. I was right. like, okay, wow. But again, he loved the fight game. I'll tell you a good quick Henzo while we're on it. This is one of my favorites. So he walks in, he even remembers this story. <laughs> I, I would go to rehearsal and then go train. So um but um 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 he goes <laughs> handles a fucking crazy guy. He's like um uh, <clears throat> he goes um so he's showing me one day he's he, he's we're going over a new move. So he's like, all right, this is a move from um you know it's an inverted arm bar. Like if I got you in side mount, yeah, and I step over your head and I do an inverted arm bar from the top. So I'm looking at my boy Royce, and I look at Royce, I'm like, all right, these are one of these bullshit moves we gotta learn. You know, one of these, okay, you gotta learn yeah, it, yeah. you're never gonna use it. I remember him showing me and looking. I'm like, all right, whatever. That weekend, he tapped out Maurice Smith with the same move. Oh, I remember that one, yeah. All right, so There's that same armbar, we were training the week before. A week right. before, I go to class. The next I go, Henzo, I'll never. He goes, what happened? I go, yo, I thought you were teaching me bullshit. I told my <laughs> dad. He started, he goes, why would I teach you bullshit? I teach you shit to fuck people up. I was like, yeah. I never question you, you never know like one person's bullshit move might be your bread and butter and vice versa like yeah i i get double underpasses all the time that's my go-to like yeah. i can get double underpasses on black belts yeah. you know they'll they'll probably get their guard back but i can i can get a double underpass on just about anybody yeah um i'm the only person i know who passes guard that way i don't know why it's just it's just what <laughs> works for me yeah you know and like People, everyone has sort of the thing that works for their brain and their body and all that stuff. So, you know, if you're training jujitsu, like don't go into it with that mindset of like thinking that this will or won't work for you. Just go into it with an open mind. Do what your fucking teacher tells you. Yes. Like if they tell you it's this way, don't roll your eyes and be like, oh, yeah, I know you're the black belt, but this yeah. won't work for me. Do what they fucking tell you. Absolutely. Learn it because you're going to find something within that position you, you, you just will. Cause I yeah. learned that I learned the, and out again, after that, I shut my mouth. And that was the thing I loved about Henzo. Henzo was teaching what he was using. 
Right. He was he always he was like, I'm never going to show you something I wouldn't use, which may or may not work for you. Yeah. But 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 give it a shot. You'll at least learn something from it. If it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. But absolutely. There's so many people that go into it just like thinking they don't, you know, with a closed mind. And you see it so often. It's like, you know, lots of times like say an upper white belt where they they know a little bit, but they don't know as much as they think they know. Yeah. Um, and. You know, they're saying, well, this or that doesn't work for me. And the coach is like, well, yeah, it's because I fucking keep telling you to stop doing this thing. Yes. You, you won't fucking listen to me. That's why it's not working for you. Exactly. I tell people all the time, the minute you say that, I say, yo, go check out Jean-Jacques Machado. Yeah, exactly. Come back to me. Tell me about, oh, you need this and this to make that happen. The dude's a multiple, one of the, the highest ranked champions. Yeah. And dude got one hand. Right. You know. And he, and he modified because you know why? He learned the positions, how they should be, and then modified it to make it work for him. Well, I will say this. It was very humbling for me. Like I took many years off between doing MMA and then when I went to Kindred. Uh, it was very humbling for me to realize how much jujitsu had evolved in the meantime <laughs> because that's basically when all the John Danaher, like Nogi leg lock shit happened, which I, you know, I didn't really... I mean, I knew that stuff was happening, I guess, but I hadn't really trained with anybody like that. And at Kindred, they have some people who are like very fucking, I mean, like Austin's like a nationally ranked guy doing that kind of stuff. And uh, that is a whole different fucking ball game. I would say that that revolutionized jujitsu, you know, as much as MMA did. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I'll give you another one. So we would walk in, you know, who was one of the blue belts? That was John. John was a blue belt when I was trained. God and damn. At a blue belt. I'm getting goose pimples right now. Because at a blue belt level, Henzo would not be like, that's the guy right there. Uh-huh. And now remember this. This is when uh, jujitsu was taboo. Schools weren't cross-training. You right, couldn't right. teach people. Not everybody. Henzo right. would give you all the... He was like, what secret? You come yeah, in, back, show you back then, fight. it's like, oh, well, no, you can't... Yeah. You can't show my yes. detail to finishing an armbar because yes. that's mine. And if you tell anyone, we've got fucking e beef. Exactly. And Henzo would teach you, I'm going to show you how my I got fucking taught. He would... Right. And you know how Henzo got... He don't got his black belts. Henzo put it on me. Hanzo gets under you, put it on. I learned, I trained more with Hanzo, like hands on. Like that's how he was. And a great and what coach I, I, and makes such a difference. Man, you know, I've I, trained with some people who are like, there's some people I've trained with who are like very good competitors, but not, not great teachers. Um, there are, you know, these are two separate things. So, you know, if you get a chance to go to a seminar with someone, you know, you should do it because why not? But, you know, don't think, and there might be someone who's like kind of a shitty competitor. But um, a good teacher, a good teacher, don't don't write that person off. John Donner. John Donner wasn't a guy competing, winning everything at the time. Right. But he had a key for detail. Right. Early on, he would go dissect it. And one of the biggest compliments we got, it was off of him. He wouldn't know it. He probably don't even remember me, but I remember it. One day me and my boy were rolling. He's sitting there. He goes, I would never want to run into you guys in the dark alley. And I looked at him and I said, you right. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and you motherfucking right, motherfucker. But fucking no. I jujitsu head. I love the game and all that. <clears throat> right now, Gordon Ryan is my man. Not just yeah. right now. I'm a big Gordon Ryan fan. I like what he's doing. I like the, the, the energy he's bringing. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to see what happens with the grappling game. I'm hoping one day I'm going to get Henzo on. He always tells me I'm going I'm to I'm catch him because I want to oh, get him be on the amazing. podcast. You should. Yeah, yeah that, that'd be amazing. What a cool opportunity, you know, to be able to train with those guys uh, at that point. I mean, wow. that was like it, it was almost like 
you know, it's it's almost like seeing a band where you know they're going to be big. And back then, jujitsu was small enough. Like I said, we would see Rich Franklin at local shows and That's shit. A, I know, like oh, I was. I'm saying exactly. I would roll with one of my, the one of the guys speaking that was a good. You know, but jujitsu play, but not the best teacher like Rodrigo Gracie. Uh -huh. I would he would be teach some of the classes. I remember, you know, Matt. I rolled with Matt. You know, Rodrigo. You name them. You know, you, you could walk in there. You never. Hoyler might be there one day. You know, Helson might roll up one day. Then you find out right. whatever head competitor from Brazil is there for the Pan Ams and this. I'm like, wow. And I got to see them all early on. Like some of these guys now are like. One dude, Sean Williams, I think he's known for one of his guards, Sean Williams. But I remember those guys, Blue Belts. They're like right. Blue Belt, Blue Belt, Blue Belt. They ended up, I ended up doing the music shit. These motherfuckers became Black Belts. And, uh, nah. Yeah, well, your knees are probably holding up better than theirs. And, well, yeah, now I am because I dropped a couple. But yeah, yeah, but I need my own dojo. But uh, Yeah, man, shout out for that, by the way. I I, I noticed that. I mean, you were, you were a pretty big guy, you know, at one point, And you've really you know, transformed yourself. And that's not fucking easy, especially, you know, you were a little yeah. older when you yeah. did that. That's not fucking easy. Yeah. You know, basically I got children and, um, they need a pops, you know, I'm a single father. So I said, um, I'm not gonna, when God takes me, cause I believe in God, you heathen sloths out there, but <laughs> godless, childless, <laughs> exactly. You heathen sloths. But uh, I believe in God. And I said, when he takes me, decides to take me, he takes me, but I'm not going to give him an advanced showing. Yeah. So I said, um, I also wanted to be just, I want my sons to be like, yeah, at least know their father's durable. You know what I mean? And also mainly I I, I want to see my kids get old. I want to see them get married and I, and I need somebody to take care of my ass when I'm old. So I got to make <laughs> sure they fucking grow up nice, yeah. wealthy and healthy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, it's not easy to do. So it's really impressive. And, and and you, you're engaged, married. I I've know you married. and your lady. You're, you're fully married. All right. Yeah, we've been married for three years. Been together for nine. All right. Good. So, yeah. Uh, oh, forget. Yeah, you've been married then. I, I don't. I don't think she's gonna leave me. I hope. Yeah, it's not too late. So, yeah. So far, so good. <laughs> that you'll be fucked if she left. Yeah, you, I would. I would guy, be. we when we have a girl that long, we we're, we're, we're too dependent. That's it. I would. Know? It'd be game over. That would be. Yeah, that's game over. But good shit and um. What can people look out? What's new? What's 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 new with, with with the podcast? Anything people should be looking out for? What's the word with you right now? You know, I'm just going to I'm just I try to be like consciously grateful every day that anybody gives a shit what I have to say about anything. So, you know, I'm here to make the content that the people want. Um, so, you know, you guys tell me what's next. That's how I look at it. Listen. I'm a big fucking fan. You know that. I'm glad you were able to do the show. I'm glad you did um, Ezek's show, too, because, um, like I said, we all got to be a part of this shit. You know, this all helps the movement. Shout you out know, to Adam22 also for uh, putting us on. Absolutely. Shout out to Adam. Uh, he also reached out. He, you know, he was looking, trying to get Madball on that, and I know you did that. And, again, big shout out to Adam and guys like you, guys that are making waves, letting guys like us creeping through that back door you understand so hey, it's like well, it's it's an honor like i said uh, in my opinion in my opinion madball is the greatest hardcore band of all time you know what? Today, and today i'll take your opinion as <laughs> fucking law on the smoking word podcast and with that yo finn on the real mad love for fucking jumping on this shit later on i'm gonna do a little um, um uh kind of a subject podcast on some more of the business acts aspect of shit and i would like to get you on you with my boy J with jay reason who you already oh, yeah. know yep. and 
get a little bit more on the behind the scenes on the way things work and show people that we're not just um with we're not gorilla dumb gorillas seven days a week maybe Anything just six you want, days a week anytime just say the word you the man one love yo thanks for jumping on everybody go support the movement smoking word podcast we out i'll let you know when this shit drops all right bro all right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. Hello out there. Yes, hello out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Hey, what's up? This is Blake Wyland. I'm the host of the Tone Mob Podcast. It's a show where I interview guitar people about guitar stuff. We talk about their pedals, their amps, their accessories, their preferences, all that stuff, as well as a healthy dose of whatever comes up. Topics have ranged from aliens to addiction and anywhere in between. Oh yeah, and pizza. We're definitely going to be talking about pizza. So get the show wherever you're listening to this podcast at. Just search The Tone Mob in your search bar and it will pop right up. Come join us. We're having a lot of fun. Thanks for checking it out.